Section 31 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter 27 Journey to Merida, Village of Mona, A Pond of Water, A Curiosity, Abula, Indian Runners, Merida, Departure, Unacama, Siege of Campeche, Embarkation for Havana, Incidents of the Passage, Fourth of July at Sea, Shark Fishing, Getting Lost at Sea, Relieved by the Helen Maria, Passage to New York, Arrival, Conclusion. But to return to ourselves, at three, by the light of the moon, we left Ushmal by the most direct road for Merida. Mr. Catherwood in a coach, and I on horseback, charged with a letter from the junior major-domo to his compatriot and friend, Delmonico's head chocolate-maker. As I followed Mr. C. through the woods, borne on the shoulders of Indians, the stillness broken only by the shuffle of their feet, and under my great apprehensions for his health, it almost seemed as if I were following his beer. At the distance of three leagues, we entered the village of Mona, where, though a fine village, having white people and mestizos among its inhabitants, travelers were more rare than in the interior of Central America. We were detained two hours at the Casa Real, waiting for a relief coach at a short distance beyond my guide led me out of the road to show me a pond of water which in that country was a curiosity it was surrounded by woods wild cattle were drinking on the borders and started like deer at our approach at the distance of four leagues we reached the village of abula with a plaza enclosed by a rough picket fence a good casa real and fine old alcalde who knew our servant as belonging to the peon family there was no intermediate village and he undertook to provide us with relief indians to carry the coach through to merida twenty-seven miles it was growing late and i went on before with a horse for change to reach merida in time to make arrangements for a caleche the next day toward evening it rained hard at dark i began to have apprehension of leaving mr catherwood behind sent the servant on to secure the caleche and dismounted to wait i was too dreadfully fatigued to ride back and sat down in the road by degrees i stretched myself on a smooth stone with the bridle around my wrist and after a dreamy debate whether my horse would tread on me or not fell asleep i was roused by a jerk which nearly tore my arm off and saw coming through the woods indian runners with blazing pine torches lighting the way for the coach which had an aspect so funereal that it almost made me shudder mr c had had his difficulties after carrying him about a league, the Indian stopped, laid him down, and after an animated conversation, took him up, went on, 
but in a little while laid him down again, and thrusting their heads under the cover of the coach, made him an eager and clamorous address, of which he did not understand one word. At length he picked up dos pesos, or two dollars, and gathered that they wanted two dollars more. As the alcalde had adjusted the account, he refused to pay, and after a noisy wrangle, they quietly took him up on their shoulders and began trotting back with him to the village. This made him tractable, and he paid the money, threatening them as well as he could with vengeance. But the amusing part was that they were right. The alcalde had made a mistake in the calculation, and on a division and distribution on the road, by hard pounding and calculating, each one knowing what he ought to receive himself, they discovered that they had been paid two dollars short. The price was twenty-five cents per man for the first and eighteen cents for every subsequent league, besides fifty cents for making the coach, so that with four men for relief it was two dollars for the first league and a dollar and a half for every subsequent one and a calculation of the whole amount for nine leagues was rather complicated. It was half-past one when we reached Merida, and we had been up and on the road since two in the morning. Fortunately, with the easy movement of the coach, Mr. C. had suffered but little. I was tired beyond all measure, but I had what enabled me to endure any degree of fatigue, a good cot, and was soon asleep. The next morning we saw my friend Don Simon, who was preparing to go back and join us. I cannot sufficiently express my sense of the kindness we received from himself and his family, and only hope that I may have an opportunity at some future time of returning it in my own country. He promised, when we returned, to go down with us and assist us in a thorough exploration of the ruins. The Spanish vessel was to sail the next day. Toward evening, after a heavy rain, as the dark clouds were rolling away, and the setting sun was tinging them with a rich golden border, we left Merida. At eleven o'clock we reached Unacama, and stopped in the plaza two hours to feed the horses. While here, a party of soldiers arrived from the port, waving pine torches, having just returned victorious from the siege of Campeche. They were all young, ardent, well-dressed, and in fine spirits, and full of praises of their general, who, they said, had remained at Sisal to attend a ball, and was coming on as soon as it was over. Resuming our journey, in an hour more, we met a train of caleches with officers in uniform. We stopped, congratulated the general upon his victory at Campeche, inquired for a United States sloop of war, which we had heard was there during the blockade, and with many interchanges of courtesy, but without seeing a feature of each other's faces, resumed our separate roads. An hour before daylight we reached Sisal. At six o'clock we embarked on board the Spanish brig Alexander for Havana, and at eight we were under way. It was the 24th of June, 
and now as we thought all our troubles were ended the morning was fine we had eight passengers all spanish one of whom from the interior when he came down to the shore and saw the brig in the offing asked what animal it was from my great regard to the captain i will not speak of the brig or of its condition particularly the cabin except to say that it was spanish the wind was light we breakfasted on deck making the top of the companionway serve as a table under an awning the captain told us we would be in havana in a week our course lay along the coast of yucatan towards cape catoche on sunday the twenty eighth we had made according to the brig's reckoning about one hundred and fifty miles and were then becalmed the sun was intensely hot the sea of glassy stillness and all day a school of sharks were swimming around the brig from this time we had continued calms and the sea was like a mirror heated and reflecting its heat on the fourth of july there was the same glassy stillness with light clouds but fixed and stationary the captain said we were encantado or enchanted and really it almost seemed so we had expected to celebrate this day by dining with the american consul in havana but our vessel lay like a log and we were scorching and already pinched for water the bare thought of a fourth of july dinner meanwhile making spanish ship cookery intolerable we had read through all the books in the mate's library consisting of some french novels translated into spanish and a history of awful shipwrecks to break the monotony of the calm we had hooks and lines out constantly for sharks the sailors called them like the alligators enemigos de los cristianos hoisted them on deck cut out their hearts and entrails and then threw them overboard we were already out ten days and growing short of provisions we had two young sharks for dinner apart from the associations they were not bad quite equal to young alligators and the captain told us that in campeche they were regularly in the markets and eaten by all classes in the afternoon they gathered around us fearfully everything that fell overboard was immediately snapped up and the hat of a passenger which fell from his head had hardly touched the water before a huge fellow turned over on his side opened his ugly mouth above the water and swallowed it luckily the man was not under it toward evening we caught a leviathan raised him four or five feet out of the water with the hook and the sailors leaning over beat his brains with the capstan bars till he was motionless then fastening a rope with a slip noose under his fins with the ship's tackle they hoisted him on deck he seemed to fill half the side of the vessel the sailors opened his mouth and fastened the jaws apart with a marlin spike turned him over on his back ripped him open and tore out his heart and entrails they then 
chopped off about a foot of his tail and threw him overboard what he did i will not mention lest it should bring discredit upon other parts of these pages which the reader is disposed to think may be true but the last we saw of him he seemed to be feeling for his tail in the afternoon of the next day we crossed a strong current setting to northwest which roared like breakers soundings before one hundred and twenty fathoms during the evening there was no bottom and we supposed we must have passed cape catoche on the sixth seventh eighth ninth tenth eleventh and twelfth there was the same dead calm with a sea like glass and intense heat we were scant of provisions and alarmed for entire failure of water the captain was a noble spaniard who comforted the passengers by repeating every morning that we were enchanted but for several days he had been uneasy and alarmed he had no chronometer on board he had been thirty years trading from havana to different ports in the gulf of mexico and had never used one but out of soundings among currents with nothing but the log he could not determine his longitude and was afraid of getting into the gulf stream and being carried past havana our chronometer had been nine months in hard use jolted over severe mountain roads and as we supposed could not be relied upon mr catherwood made a calculation with an old french table of logarithms which happened to be on board but with results so different from the captain's reckoning that we supposed it could not be correct at this time our best prospect was that of reaching havana in the midst of the yellow fever season sailing from there in the worst hurricane month and a quarantine at staten island on the thirteenth of july everything on board was getting scarce and with crew and passengers twenty in number we broached our last cask of water the heat was scorching and the calm and stillness of the sea were fearful all said we were enchanted and the sailors added half in earnest that it was on account of the heretics sharks more numerous than ever we could not look over the side of the vessel without seeing three or four as if waiting for prey on the fourteenth the captain was alarmed the log was thrown regularly but could not give his position toward evening we saw an enormous monster with a straight black head ten feet out of water moving directly toward us the captain looking at it from the rigging with a glass said it was not a whale another of the same kind appeared at the stern and we were really nervous but we were relieved by hearing them spout and seeing a column of water thrown into the air at dark they were lying huge and motionless on the surface of the water on the fifteenth to our great joy a slight breeze sprang up in the morning and the log gave three miles an hour at twelve o'clock we took the latitude which was 
25 degrees 10 minutes, and found that in steering southward at the rate of 3 miles an hour by the log, we were 55 miles to the northward of the reckoning of the day before. The captain now believed that we were in the midst of the Gulf Stream, had been so perhaps two or three days, and were then two or three hundred miles past Havana. Mr. Catherwood's chronometer gave 88 degrees longitude, but this was so far out of the way by our dead reckoning that with our distrust of the chronometer we all disregarded it and the captain especially we were then in a very bad position short of provisions and water and drifted past our port the captain called aft passengers sailors cook and cabin boy spread the chart on the companionway and pointed out our supposed position saying that he wished to take the advice of all on board as to what was best to be done the mate sat by with the log-book to take notes all remained silent until the cook spoke and said that the captain knew best the sailors and passengers assented for although we considered it all uncertain and that we were completely lost we believed that he knew better than anybody else the captain pointed out the course of the Gulf Stream, said it would be impossible to turn back against it, and having a light, favorable breeze, recommended that we should follow the stream and bear up for New Providence for a supply of provisions and water. All assented, and so we put about from the south and squared the yards for the northeast. At that moment we considered ourselves further from Havana than when we started. With most uncomfortable feelings, we sat down to a scanty meal. Supposing that we were in the Gulf Stream and in the track of vessels, the captain sent a man aloft to look out for a sail, who very soon, to our great joy, reported a brig to leeward. We hoisted our flag and bore down upon her, as we approached, she answered our signal, and with a glass we recognized the American ensign. In an hour we were nearly within hailing distance. The captain could not speak English, and gave me the speaking trumpet. But fancying from his movements that our countrymen did not like the Spanish colors, and afraid of some technical irregularity in my hail, which would make us an object of suspicion, we begged him to lower the jolly boat. This was lying on the deck with her bottom upward and her seams opened by the sun. The water poured into her, and before we were fifty yards from the brig, she was half full. We sat up on the gunwale, and two of the men had as much as they could do to keep her afloat, while we urged the others to pull. Sharks were playing around us, and for a few moments we wished to be back on board the old brig. A breeze seemed to strike the vessel, which for two or three minutes kept steadily on, but to our great relief she hove to and took us on board. Our Spanish colors and our irregular movement in attempting to board without hailing had excited suspicion, and the sailors said we were pirates, 
but the captain a long cool-headed down-easter standing on the quarter with both his hands in his pockets and seeing the sinking condition of our boat said them's no pirates the brig was the helen maria of north yarmouth sweetser master from tabasco and bound to new york the reader cannot imagine the satisfaction with which i greeted on the high seas a countryman bound for new york my first question was whether he could take us on board next for provisions and water for our friends and then where we were he showed us his observation for the day we were about four hundred miles from the spot we supposed the current which sets up between cape catoche and cape antonio the captain had taken for the gulf stream if we had attended to mr c s chronometer we should not have been far out of the way as it was we were perfectly lost and if we had not met this vessel i do not know what would have become of us the captain was but seven days from tabasco with a wind that had carried away one of his sails and had lost one of his men he had no surplus of provisions particularly with two additional passengers but he sent on board what he could and a supply of water we returned told the captain much to his surprise and astonishment of his position not more than two hundred miles from sisal and bade all hands farewell they were not sorry to get rid of us for the absence of two mouths was an object and though perhaps in their hearts they thought their bad luck was on account of the heretics it was pleasant that with all our vexations parting thus on the wide ocean we shook hands with captain passengers sailors cook and cabin boy having no unkind feeling with any one on board how long they were out i do not know but i heard that they arrived at havana in wretched condition having eaten up the last morsel on board our new vessel had a full cargo of logwood the deck being loaded even with the quarter and stowed so close that the cabin door was taken off and the descent was over a water cask but the change from the spanish to the american vessel was a strange transition the former had a captain two mates and eight sailors the latter one mate and three sailors with plank over the deck load for sailors to run on an enormous boom mainsail and a tiller instead of a wheel sweeping the whole quarter-deck and at times requiring two men to hold it in the evening we had two or three hours of calm we were used to it but the captain was annoyed he detested a calm he had not had one since he left tabasco he could bear anything but a calm in the evening the charm was broken by a squall the captain hated to take in sail held on till the last moment and then springing from the tiller hauled on the ropes himself and was back again at the rudder all in a flash mr c and i were so well pleased with the change that we were in no hurry and noticing the shortness of hands and stumbling over logwood we suggested to the captain 
that if he lost another man he would have difficulty in carrying his vessel into port but he put this down at once by swearing that if he lost every hand on board the mate and he could carry her in themselves deck-load and all on the thirty-first of july we arrived at new york being ten months less three days since we sailed and nine without having received any intelligence whatever from our friends at home deducting the time passed at sea but seven months and twenty-four days in the prosecution of our work this i am sure must recommend us to every true american and here on the same spot from which we set out together and with but little hope of ever journeying with him again i bid the reader farewell end of section thirty one end of incidents of travel in central america chiapas and yucatan volume two by john lloyd stephens